ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 20 of Digital Grocer, Mercatus's very own podcast. God, the weather is so bad outside here in Toronto. We're here at HQ, 545 King Street West. I think winter is creeping in, bit of a chill. I think we said goodbye to summer. It's kind of obvious. And you know, when it's the fall, it means that Mercatus just got back from Grocery Shop 2019 in beautiful Las Vegas. I think my lips are still dry for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> the odd sandstorm and uh, sand dune, although I didn't, never really left the hotel. Uh, it was kind of an interesting year in our grocery shop. It just wasn't the same. The energy was, I think, kind of peaked. And you know, the subjects, the subjects were kind of interesting this year. And one of the key topics that kind of came up over and over again uh, was about subscriptions. How do I, as a grocery retail, retailer, compete against Amazon? How do I make it that much easier to replenish certain key items inside my stores? How do I create a rela uh, sustainable relationships with the CPGs that are out there? And you know, we thought, and I'm alone today, and I guess you guys haven't noticed, uh, Mark has been sequestered one more time. I don't know why, these, these things keep happening to him. But anyways, uh, so we felt that it was probably really appropriate as a business to bring in the experts. And I think that's what we did today. They flew in, I think, late yesterday or early this morning. They're still fairly chipper right now in our <laughs> office, so I suspect it was late yesterday. Slightly. Slightly, right? Uh, it's the folks from Replenium from San Francisco. And there are two people joining us today, which is amazing. Uh, first person is Dan Burgos, the VP of Sales and Business Development. And Dan has... 20 years of experience and i swear to god when you talk to this guy it feels like a hundred years thank right. you you're welcome i feel older now you feel, feel older <laughs> i look much older so don't worry about that he's in charge of sales and market sales and marketing business development and prior to replenium he was the head of brand partnerships for instacart leading the company's efforts and developing strong relationships with all the cpgs now, sitting right next to him is an amazing person who has tons of insights. Thank you. That's very true. <laughs> very true. And it's Becca Rybalski. I hope I pronounced that right. It was perfect. Yeah. And I've, well, thank you. <laughs> and she's the head of Consumer Insights. And she's been doing this for over 20 years as well. And much prior to her working over at Replenium, she was also part, and she actually led the whole brand partnership and insights analytics for Instacart as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're more than welcome. So, you know, indulge the audience, share with them, what is it that you guys do at Replenium? So Replenium is having built ad sales teams for quite a while now in the grocery space and having come from Instacart. One of the biggest things we looked at in the e-commerce space is, is just how hard retention is to get customers to repeat their business. So we were looking for a pretty compelling tool as the CPG brands were all telling us that one of the best tools that they invest their monies in on a regular basis is in a program that Amazon has been very, very good at doing and pretty much the only one in the space who's been doing it well. They launched it, I think, in about 2014, right? Yeah. And so we happened to stumble across the very guy who built that for Amazon and he built basically, if you would, a open source version of Subscribe and Save, what we're talking about, for the rest of the grocery industry. Subscribe and save for people who don't know is probably, for me, being an ad sales guy and selling all these products, a subscribe and save is probably the single most significant ad platform there is in the space outside of search. It, for people who don't know subscribe and save, it's the ability for a consumer to 
automatically subscribe to a product, a single product on a regular basis where they get a discount if they stay loyal to that product long term. Talk about great retention, not only for the retailer, but also great retention for the brand themselves. And brands invest in this product in a significant way on Amazon to where some of those categories generate 40 to 70% of their total volume through the subscribe and save program at Amazon. It's so big that Amazon generates about $10 billion in subscribe and save. Now, if you were to take subscribe and save just that promotional program and place it in the grocery world, they'd be a top 10 retailer. Uh, to me, being an ad sales guy, that is one compelling uh, platform and one that I wanted to be a part of. And if you don't know Tom Furphy, he's uh, absolutely a brilliant guy who launched the grocery business for Amazon, built the dash button business, built the subscribe and save, Prime Pantry, and Amazon Fresh. So we love it from that perspective because of what Becca and I did at Instacart was this incredible program that is pay for performance, drives huge value to the retailer in terms of helping baskets grow, but also create incredible loyalty for consumers with particular brands. And I think from a data perspective, it's just an absolute goldmine. Becca, you probably want to jump in on that. Yeah, no, I think for what we heard at Grocery Shop, it's really important for retailers to understand how to get new customers, how to really be successful in this online world with all these different um, services and opportunities for them to engage in. So really understanding what drives customers to them, who owns the customer, what does that retention look like, what does that lifetime value look like, and really just our goal is to be really transparent with the information so that we can really build that partnership with the brands and the retailers and then evolve that over time and continue to optimize in real time. So that's, that's interesting. So explain to, to, to our retailers that are listening, you know, sounds great. It's amazing. But how do you, how do you, you know, if they're running their own platform or they're maybe they're, they're licensing another platform and that could be a Mercatus platform that can quite frankly be anyone else's platform. How do they set this up? Is it difficult and, and walk us through that whole process? No, it's not difficult. So we really want to enable retailers to own their customers, to be able to have a customer go to their site and shop, but have these capabilities that will drive retention and drive that long-term value that they're looking for. So it's a really easy partnership, easy integration with the retailers, um, and then the data that we collect from there. We want to we share that in real time so that they can act in real time as well. Now, is there, in terms of fulfillment, does the fulfillment come directly is it the CPGs that take care of this, the brands, or is it is it the retailers? It depends. We have different models. So we do direct to consumer where there are some manufacturers or brands who do the fulfillment themselves. We also partner with retailers who will do the fulfillment. But in either case, it's either the brand or the retailer, depending on which model we're integrating with. Okay. And is there hesitancy from the retailers in terms of the data that is shared back with the brands? Uh, no, I mean, I think as long as everyone is in it for the partnership and wants mm -hmm. to optimize on both sides, I think the retailers will be happy to share the information with the brands, knowing that it's going to lead to improvements long term. Okay. And, and, and the beautiful thing from the CPG side, the, the CPG side of the business, they're such great innovators. They react to the information if it's great and sales are absolutely booming based mm -hmm. on them being involved in this program, they're going to invest more. If for some reason it's showing that there's a downtrend in their business, what they're going to do is invest again and in, in, invest more 
in that regard, right? They, they're going to react to it in both ways. If they have products sold in, in a particular retailer, mm -hmm. they're not going to say, well, this didn't work, so I'm going to pull my product off shelf. They're going to say, hey, this isn't working. I must reinvent how I'm right. doing something with a particular retailer. Let's try something different. Is it a different mix? Do we increase our spend? Do we try a, a different offer value? Different ways for them to do it. That's the beautiful thing we love because of our relationships with CPG brands. Mm -hmm. They're just great innovators. They love to test and learn, and they're very nimble at being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's across the board in terms of the smallest players as well as the largest players out there. They know how to be nimble and to make sure that they're driving great value for themselves, which they know will drive great value for the for the retail partners that they have. Yeah. And do you find this the whole idea of auto replenishment is kind of, you know, it's more linked to the commodities inside the grocery store or... Is it better for one type of product versus another type of product? You know what's amazing is Amazon's done has done the ten billion dollars worth of business, mm -hmm. which Amazon's model strictly is a ship to customer business. So Amazon's avoided anything that's non perishable. Right. So as successful as they have been to date mm -hmm. with with a limit on the categories that they actually offer up this functionality to, imagine how much bigger their business will be in subscribe and save when they open it up to milk and yogurt mm -hmm. and bread and the things that, right, shampoo you buy, what, maybe every month? I don't have any hair. So it, well, <laughs> it's we're radio, so nobody right. hears it, right? So, <laughs> but and suddenly you're now adding repeatability of a product that you're going to subscribe to right. and hold dear to buying it from Amazon on a weekly basis, your bread, your milk, your cereal, mm -hmm. that becomes an even more powerful opportunity for retailers to embrace it. Right now, Amazon hasn't. We all know they're going to as we hear the rumblings of them coming up with new retail models. Uh, and I'm certain that, that when they launch a same-day delivery across the board for Whole Foods, they're going to open it up to all these categories. They're no fools. They know how well they've been doing with this opportunity, this platform, and nobody has caught on to it. And that's what we're trying to help. I have to assume when, if you're turning on auto replenishment from an operational perspective, it actually smooths out the whole, I don't want to say the whole supply chain, but the whole aspect of predictability, when to get ready, volume, Absolutely. and makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it really does help the retailers do a better job of forecasting and making sure that the items are in stock and working with the brand partners to make sure that deliveries happen on time. So from a logistics operations perspective, absolutely. Which drives ultimately a better experience yes. for the consumer at the end of the day. Yes. And from a retention perspective, right? If a mm -hmm. customer is locked in long-term to their coffee or their milk or their bread, they're basically giving you the, the, the opportunity to reconnect with them yeah. for the next time that order is supposed to come up. Right. And it may not hit the minimum threshold. So, mm -hmm. hey, guys, your coffee and your yogurt's in your basket, but you, right, still needs a 35 minimum dollar basket. So why don't you add some more before we ship this to you in a nice, effective way? Yeah. Beautiful thing that you can talk to your consumer because they've already instructed to you two months ago to keep doing that. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember when I used to be part of the Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. <laughs> used to be part of it. And I f kept forgetting to turn off. And you have a nice beard and mustache for people who can't see that. Thank too, you. Right? I appreciate that. It kinda, it's kind of raggedy right now because it's that season here in, in Toronto. But I kept forgetting to turn stuff off. So I was actually giving the razor blades away. And I'm like, and then they started upselling me on a bunch of things. But I just really liked the convenience and the service. Mm -hmm. But eventually, you know, obviously I had to turn it off, you know, I wanted to keep keep this going. So you guys get to hang out with Tom, mm -hmm. Tom Furphy, who, who is like a pioneer in this space. 
And I always ask as often as I can remember when we're recording a podcast to some of my guests, what's out there today that you guys are seeing that's getting you excited as marketers, data scientists, and quite frankly, at the cusp of everything that's new and exciting in e-commerce, what what are you guys seeing out there that's just blowing your minds? I mean, from a data perspective, I think the level of personalization is just getting more and more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. So I think really being able to talk to that consumer and having everyone think that what you're doing is for them personally is going to evolve. I'm excited about some of what we're seeing in the market for that. In terms of what? (laughs) You you went to data. That's so surprising. I went to data because I love data. (laughs) But you can go. What have you seen, Dan? No, no. I just was (laughs) really stunned that you were going to say something about data. That's shocking to me. It's Um, the most important thing. No. (laughs) I think it's it's the size and scope of how many people are getting involved in this space, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the door dashes of the world who are getting in, Target reconfiguring their Roundell opportunity, Walmart wanting to bring that in-house from a triad perspective and bringing it in-house, Amazon making it a point that they're going to make sure that they're doing a significant media spend. This is becoming just like right Netflix and everyone where media became a big play in, in the grocery space there's a lot of opportunity here to connect on a one-on-one basis with consumers mm-hmm. retailers are sitting on a load of data exactly when I used to work at NBC right data was a big deal but all we can sell was really awareness and mm-hmm. we think we can get you in front of women 25 to 54 in certain Bravo shows from a grocery perspective, the amount of data that retailers are sitting on, like Becca said, is just, it's the holy grail of how do you get to the bottom of the funnel? Mm-hmm. Facebook and Google have been fighting over that $110 billion worth of search spend. Now the grocery space is getting into this to where, hey, listen, we can give you search, but we're at the bottom of the funnel. We can show you conversion on how many times people who searched milk in the last week actually bought milk and how large was that milk purchase how much cereal did uh, all these people who search cereal. That's really powerful stuff. So these retailers are sitting on the ability to be really strong media players Mm -hmm. to take advantage of their customer base that they've worked so hard over the decades to build. And now that opportunity for them to be able to monetize it, which will only benefit them and their consumer base because greater offers come to table, larger basket size, And in turn, these brands who are such great innovators look to media like Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram where everything's becoming shoppable. We're doing stuff with NBC in terms of creating shoppability Mm -hmm. through CPG brands and their media spend from digital assets back to these retailers. I mean, that's, that's free exposure that retailers building these really strong, nice media tools with their audience can parlay that into exposure and free exposure for the retailers because these brands want to sell their products. They're going to make sure that their products are available to each consumer where they can be found and make it the most convenient way for them to do it. So retailers need to make sure that they're one of those drop-down retailers when that key key shopper of theirs is available in St. Louis or available in, in the Bronx. That's what I find really, really compelling in the space. Well, you think of it this way, retailers need to understand that they are at the point of conversion. They are. Much more than mm-hmm. a Facebook, much more than a right. Google. So the opportunity to truly influence a consumer in the most intelligent way possible is at their, I like to say it's at their fingertips. I, and I think in the conversations we've had in Mercatus with, with some of our retail partners, I think that idea, that notion of being able to do that is intellectually there 
I think the how is still a little bit more difficult. Tell me your thoughts. You know, we internally continue to talk about Amazon's acquisition of Whole Foods. And, you know, I'm pretty preachy when it comes to that in terms of saying, listen, guys, at the end of the day, grocery has the highest household penetration rate in the United States. The Mm data is exceptionally valuable. If you're Amazon and you're not co-opted to a consumer in their hip as often as possible, buying a Whole Foods just makes so much sense Mm -hmm. in terms of influencing what they buy, not just in the grocery category, but everywhere else. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, Amazon buying Whole Foods was brilliant. Uh, I mean, I think that I'm surprised they haven't bought more retailers, right. right? There's always talk about them possibly buying Target. I mean, some things get pretty scary in terms of what Amazon can do to increase the size of their world. They're smart in terms of how they are. They found out a long time ago that they're at the bottom of the funnel and they've been building that bottom mm-hmm. of the funnel very, very well. And I think the other retailers need to realize that, hey, listen, you're in the same boat. You may not be at their scale, but you to create that differentiation that you've work so hard to build, you need to be in that pocket of your consumers to say, hey, listen, I'm going to make it very easy for you to shop with me as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we got to make it as convenient as possible. Yeah. Now, we do know that Amazon, you know, from our contacts in the LA market, that they have signed some store leases. They are going to come out with their their next concept. What are your thoughts? Are, is it a hybrid of an, an Amazon-like store with a Whole Foods or is it going to be something completely left field? Mm, I'm thinking it's going to be more of a hybrid, leveraging okay. the freshness and the per, the credibility of Whole Foods, but then laying in some of their other industries where they're where they're pretty successful, and the Amazon Prime probably. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I don't know. I think it's just a lot more for them from a warehouse perspective to get back into the delivery game. Yeah, I, I think when I started with Instacart. Um, Amazon Fresh just ruled the world. I, yeah. Their product was just top notch. You talk to anybody, they would tell you that Amazon Fresh is still the, the way to go. And then Amazon said, listen, we don't think we're very good at it. We're going to stop it. We're going to retool it. And we're going to come back. That, that should be spooky to everybody in the grocery space. Um, if you haven't been to an Amazon Go store, it's spooky good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, just the sheer functionality of it, it's amazing. The quality is top notch. If they do a larger version of that and it's a hybrid between the Whole Foods idea and Amazon Go, they're going to be really good at it. And they haven't even fully launched same day delivery in that space. Um, Everybody better be ready because it's going to be a significant player. And those who haven't noticed that Amazon's been taking a lot of their grocery business in select markets like St. Louis and and Mm -hmm. other places where it was basically an invisible retailer to some of these to some of these players, uh, they're now going to see Amazon physically in their space, and they're going to see just how good they can be. It's it's going to be interesting to see what it is. Now we're seeing a lot of players in this space. Do you think we've hit that peak of maturity in term in the world of digital e-commerce for grocery, or is it you know this is just the beginning? I think it'll continue to evolve. I think when Amazon bought Whole Foods, it really lit a fire for retailers to get online, Mm -hmm. and they did, but I still think we're probably still in that, or they're probably still in that, let's maintain our online business now versus thinking of the next evolution of it. So I think we're still going to see a lot of growth, new features, new platforms, or different ways that consumers want to shop. I agree. I think it's still going to evolve. I think the the caution to grocery retailers is how fast are you at innovation? Because mm-hmm. Amazon is mm-hmm. is out investing 
in against you five to one. And Amazon doesn't have anybody to worry about controlling their speed at innovation. Where with retailers, if you're with a third party that isn't focused on you as the retailer first, your speed of innovation can be at the mercy of the overall network, right? right? So I think with retailers, they have to be careful not to get stuck behind their ability to evolve and move at the speed that the speed of innovation that someone like Amazon and Kroger and others are doing. Well, mm-hmm. good point. So you talk about speed of innovation. So if you had to give the retailers that are listing some some advice on how to compete in this space, what would you say to them? Go ahead. Oh, I get to go <laughs> yeah. first. Uh, it's easy. I think you got to define that you own your customer, right? Your mm-hmm. d- data is king in this world. I think you it would is. agree with that. I would do you? agree with that. Or yeah. queen. You may want to say queen. So. <laughs> I think data is king in this space, and Beck and I know that all too well as being ad salespeople, that we knew the power of what that did and how that improved your business and how that generated incremental revenue for you to monetize it. And the only way to know how to evolve with your customer base in these changing times mm-hmm. is you have to know you have to know all the information that you're generating from them. And you got to make sure that you have control over that. Not only it's one thing to have the data and be in control of it, but you got to know how to use it. You got to know what to do with it. And you got yeah. brilliant CPG partners who know exactly what to do with that and how to help you with it to help drive sales for you as well as for them. And they'll invest behind you on that. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So, Dan, Becca, thank you so much for joining us today in Toronto. So, how do people get a hold of you? You can come visit us at replenium.com or email us. Uh, my email is Becca at replenium.com. It's very catchy. It's very catchy. <laughs> I'm boring. I'm Dan at replenium.com. So um, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thanks oh, for having you're us. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to episode 20. Don't forget to tune in. And you know what? If you want to reach out to the folks here at Mercatus, www.mercatus.com. Thank you. <laughs>